Welcome to Rise Above Your Mind, a podcast dedicated to education, advocacy, and support for topics related to mental health and all challenges and obstacles that are found in the world today. Welcome back to another episode of Rise Above Your Mind. Today, I am joined by Alina, if you just want to introduce yourself real quick. Hi, my name is Alina Lebedeva. I'm a student athlete at Penn State on tennis team. I'm from Russia, and my major is telecommunications, so I'm involved with a lot of media production stuff on campus, and that is pretty much it about me. I'm super excited to have you on today to talk about some mental health stuff, some life stuff, just kind of some general conversations. And we'll just kind of get things underway here to start talking about early life as an athlete. A lot of people, myself included, kind of have their parents in their life from an early age. Obviously, it's a little different with tennis being more of an individual sport than soccer for myself, where having, you know, a parent be your coach is is kind of, you know, your really their sole kind of job is is being that person that looks over you. And You know, as you mentioned to me that your mom was your coach throughout kind of the first eight or so years of your athletic career. And that really kind of impacted you in a in a specific way. So I'm gonna kind of kick it over to you and let you kind of talk about that and how that impacted, you know, you as an athlete and just as a person. So having my mom involved with my early tennis career was surely beneficial in so many ways but I feel like a lot of people when they hear that my mom has been my coach only try to think the positive things about that side of my athletic journey while sometimes it can be actually challenging and I think you as you mentioned because you have been coached by your one of your parents as well Uh, can relate to some parts of that and especially as you mentioned that tennis is an individual sport for me some of the challenges included my mom being like too invested in everything that has been happening to me throughout my tennis career and there was um, sometimes just way too much focus like My mom was my parent. Obviously, for me, for my young mind, it was her main role, as I thought. But for her, sometimes the coach part uh, overruled the parent part in many ways, if that makes any sense. And so that being said, uh, it was just like a lot of pressure on court. And then coming back home, it has been also tennis just like talking about the matches talking about how the practice went not talking about any other personal problems that I might have had and I feel like it a lot of times affected my mental health not in positive ways and it's something that many athletes struggle is finding their out of court out of their field identity especially after they retire and for me I feel like before coming to college, I didn't know who I was at all, just because everything surrounding me was only about tennis. And this is something that 
I can't say that I've really struggled with it, but I can say that it was something that I wish could go differently in my life. Yeah. And I feel like it's definitely exemplified more in the game of tennis because I feel like tennis is one of those sports where like, if you're like really passionate about it, like you really want to play it, like you have to train nonstop. Like the, the people that you see making like the U S open and and Wimbledon at the age of 16, like they pretty much were holding a tennis racket since they came out of the womb. It's a lifestyle. And it's something that you don't really see as much with other sports, which I think is interesting just because there's such that high, that high ceiling that you really want to reach. And you kind of mentioned a little bit with your mental health and how you feel like her role in your life and, you know, having tennis be such a huge part of your life, how that kind of impacted it. Do you think that played any, any part in your decision to, become an international student athlete to come to the United States to kind of try something new, maybe, you know, get away from not necessarily get away from your family, but, you know, go somewhere else, you know, see a new environment, have a new coach, have, have a new experience to really kind of see where you are as a tennis player. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. It certainly was maybe like a part of my decision. Basically, I have been practicing with another coach since I was 15 already. So coming to college, I already had some experience with not being coached by my mom and, you know, with seeing some different perspective on my tennis and everything. But at the same time, college just seemed like an opportunity again to see life out of just sports and to see how many other people live and like what people who for example like choose my major are interested in or people who have the same interests in me doing their lives and everything like that was just really fascinating for me and I think in my country, the academic system is a little bit different where you can't really be flexible with your majors, uh, like with your decisions and stuff like that. Whereas in America, you really have this flexibility of switching between majors during your uh, first and second year. I'm sorry, I'm not used to this whole new <laughs> system of not saying freshman and sophomore. So what I wanted to say is that my decision was pretty much just influenced by the factors that I would have a team and I would finally get this uh, huge support which you know you don't necessarily get in tennis again because it's such an individualistic sport and sometimes it just feels like you're one against everyone else and here I have 11 other girls who all are going towards the same goal and we even like share this goal and that's just really cool and then I just like the way the coaches were talking to me again it can be like a part of like cultural differences between uh, Russia and US but like there are even some words that are prohibited by NCAA to say uh, for the coaches and stuff like that which (laughs) is like not the case at all back at home it was just like something that I thought could really benefit me in many ways so that's basically why I decided to become an international student here in U.S. Yeah I know obviously it's a different situation with being an international student athlete like leaving your country coming to a whole experience and even people who are born in the U.S. grow up 
they want to get away from home when it comes to school. And unfortunately, in my case, I, I didn't end up doing that. I ended up going to a division three school that's about 10 minutes from, you know, where I grew up. So I, I have a completely different perspective where everything that, you know, college life, the whole experience, I've been 15 minutes from both of my parents' houses. And it, it's definitely interesting to, to hear kind of your perspective on things because it was such a drastic change. And even like at Co, we have some like foreign ex- like exchange students that will come here for a year. And like right now, we've got a guy on the soccer team that's from London in England. And even you know for him, he's just like it's so weird because it's a completely different education system. It's not just like a different environment. It's like literally how you're being taught is different, and the team atmosphere is different. And I think it's definitely different from tennis to soccer because. Soccer is always a team sport, but in tennis, like when you look at the international level, you look at, you know, the top tier people, it's all singles and doubles. You don't have teams, you don't have team competitions. And, and it's, I think it's kind of a unique thing that you see at the collegiate level in the United States that you don't really see anywhere else where you have a team that can support you, that can, you know, kind of pick you up when you're struggling and stuff like that. So I guess my next question, kind of the next thing to talk about is how does that like team atmosphere, how has that helped you throughout your time as, you know, an international student athlete, as you've had this big change in your life, how has having the, the team, the coaching staff to support you, how has that helped you get through kind of some of those mental challenges? Yeah. So coming here, it was kind of a double-sided kind for me because there were for sure a lot of benefits to it but there was also a part of uh, my teammates and my coaches trying to make this whole team atmosphere almost like mandatory where like it's been hard again because it's a lot of very individualistic people who have been living their whole like 18 19 year experience being like for themselves and then all of a sudden they come to college and they have to become a part of this community where like everyone supports everyone and everyone just like is able to do anything for the other person and this is something that you probably never see in tennis as you said if it's not a collegiate level so I'll just start off by saying that all of my teammates are really great people and I have never seen any bad intentions in anything that they do. But one of the difficulties that I faced are the little cultural differences that you never really realize before you end up being here on campus actually practicing with your team, which is like your experiences are different the things that you grew up with are a little bit different. Like I see that a lot of American, especially athletes are obsessed with like all the different athletics that are happening. Whereas at home we have like maybe two sports that mostly guys are involved with. And like, I don't see that many girls being interested in like football or hockey or anything. We're here, like everyone will go see those matches, be really excited about that and everything like that. Like sometimes it's just been hard for me, especially with the American students because we do have some other international students on my team. This is like 
one of the reasons that it's been hard for me to connect with the team, especially last year. And the other one is that, unfortunately, with me being an international student and our countries being kind of back and forth fighting about rights and wrongs, I have had a lot of issues with getting my visa and coming here, which is why my first semester of my first year I had to study remotely from home. And we had five freshmen on our team that year, and I was one of them. So four of them came in in the fall, and I came in kind of out of nowhere in spring, in the middle of the year. I had to jump right into the season. I didn't really have time to, like, just get to know them and, you know, go hang out together. Everything we would do would be really surrounded by tennis again because we traveled pretty much every weekend in spring and so this being said uh it's just been a little bit hard to actually find a support system for me in my teammates instead I was just feeling like and this is certainly just my perspective looking back at it I don't think that way anymore but I was just thinking that they were only there for me because coaches are kind of expecting them to be good people in the team and stuff like that and not because they were really interested in me and everything like that so that's been you know that part of the challenge and the other part that is kind of cultural is that here people they just kind of call you friend once they get to know you a little bit. Back at home, they would call you something like acquaintance or something for, I don't know, half of the year knowing you. And then when they're like almost becoming besties with you, they would start calling you friend. So when people were saying to me, oh, you're my friend, like I love you so much, that would seem so weird to me. I would be like, why would you even call me that way? I don't even know you that much, you know? And this has definitely been like a dissonance in my brain for some time during the last semester. Now it's starting to fall in place and it's much easier because I actually know those people for a longer time. Yeah. And I just kind of want to touch on that kind of that team atmosphere, kind of team dynamic that you were just talking about. And I feel like that's definitely a struggle for a lot of people coming into, um, you know, a new team, a new environment, especially like you said, you joined halfway through the year. So you were kind of in a different situation than, than the other girls who had joined or, you know, in the fall who had kind of had those five or six months to, to get to know everybody. And I've had the same issues when it comes to kind of joining that team atmosphere. My freshman year at co my first year, I had knee surgery, missed most of the season. And so, you know, all of these guys on my team were like really getting to know each other, spending time together on the field and all that. And I was, you know, on the sideline doing rehab, I was on the sideline kind of going through my process and it became really difficult because I kind of felt like an outsider. I kind of felt like the, you know, this, there's this close knit group of people. And now I'm kind of coming in from the outside, trying to be a part of that. And I definitely had some of those same thoughts where, you know, looking back on it now, obviously it wasn't the case, but in the moment you're, you're sitting there joining this new team dynamic and you're like, do they really care about me? Do they really want me to be here? And are they only accepting of me because I'm part of the team? Like if I, if I wasn't part of the team, would they even want to be friends with me? And it can be a struggle for a lot of people, especially, you know, your circumstance coming from a different country, having issues with your visa, studying virtually for the first half, like 
a lot of things were against you, but I, I can only imagine. I mean, for me, it was trying to trying to fit in with a group of people where at least, you know, I was familiar with the, the culture here. I was familiar with, you know, the language and, and the team and all that. But for international students, you know, they have to kind of join this whole this kind of whole new, this whole new thing. And it's not just school, you know, it's sports. And so you have to try and balance, okay, I'm trying to fit in with this group of people. And like you said, you know, I definitely agree that in America, we like, we get to know people so quickly. Like you can hang out with somebody once and they'll be like, Oh yeah. Like that's my best friend. Like I love them so much. And like, we're, we're super close at, you could know like three things about them and they'd consider you one of their closest friends. It's just, it's just kind of a weird cultural thing that we have where we kind of latch onto these friendships so quickly and, and try and, you know, build those bonds. And yeah, I've never really thought about that before, but I'm sure that was kind of a, kind of a weird cultural shock for you coming into, coming into to school where you're trying to, you know, build that relationship with your team and really get to know everybody. So yeah, it's definitely a definitely like a unique kind of team atmosphere that a lot of schools like it's pretty common in the United States where, you know, team atmospheres, you have kind of this close knit group of people and then you've got to kind of try and work your way in and yeah. it can be a struggle. And I've definitely have definitely kind of felt that that struggle, that process of that. So kind of moving from that kind of building off of kind of the mental challenges that you've already talked about facing, you know, issues with your visa, trying to get here, um, you know, virtually learning, coming in, trying to get to know your teammates and all that. How did like that, like the mental challenges that you were facing, the the physical challenges you were facing, how did that kind of affect you as an athlete once you got here? Yeah, I feel like there was a lot of stuff just going on. And again, I'm looking back at it and I'm just like almost making a list of all of the things that weren't really working as well as I thought they would. And thinking of that, I'm like, yeah, that's really challenging. That's fine that I wasn't feeling my best. But at that point, I was just seeing a lot of people who were much happier than me, especially the people on the team. They seemed like much closer as friends. And those were the people with whom I was hanging out the most because, you know, our campus was not filled up with people as much as it, as it is now. And I didn't really even know how to make other friends outside of my athletic experience at that point. And so I just felt really, really bad. And I can say that it was like one of the darkest points of my life, to be honest. And I was just coming back to my room, like, laying on the floor and crying sometimes and my poor roommate who's a, a lacrosse player she would she was like the best human being but she was the only person who I considered my support system at that time and she would be always like telling me about how it's fine and how it would get better and how like she would be like doing some art nights for me to like almost create that art therapy type of thing but yeah looking back again I was doing a lot of therapy sessions first it was like uh with the psychologist in our like campus service type of thing and then uh, I started doing like 
another type of therapy with uh, something my insurance plan was providing. And I feel like that was something that helped me. But again, like with therapy, it's something that you have to find a good fit. Like your therapist has to be a really good fit for you before he or she or them start helping you because to be honest, uh, the first therapist that I got wasn't really, you know, a person that could get the experiences that I was going through. And I would be telling that and he was a really nice guy. And I can, you know, again, say anything bad about him, but it was just like the strategies that he was giving me were not helpful at all. So I had to move forward and find something that was helping much more. I don't think it's, you know, quite possible for me to find someone who's kind of going to like check all the boxes with my experiences because I, let's be honest, like none of us have enough money to afford like a good therapy. I don't think like, anyone. <laughs> no, you're right. Has. You're right. So I'm trying to find something that is going to be like included in my plan for you know for my team or for my insurance and something like that and I'm also international so like probably most of the people that work here are non-immigrants and are just like uh, you know typical American people but at least I had a fortune with finding a therapist who used to be a tennis player like during her collegiate years so that was just you know a blessing from the sky for me because like I don't need to like explain some weird tennis terms to her because she knows everything <laughs> pretty much. And I can just like be talking about my experiences knowing that she can relate to that. But also I've been fortunate that we had our team psychologist since the day I came here. And one struggle for me was that it's basically just finding time to schedule the sessions with them because the thing is that sports psychologists and your actual therapist with whom you talk about life and stuff um, sometimes can be two different people because with sports psychologists you would talk about like the strategies uh, that you would use like on the court and on the field and how to control your emotions in the moment and how to be mentally tough and uh, how to push through the difficulties and stuff like that but I know that it's not necessarily something that's good for me in real life and that I have to actually show my emotions and express my emotions and not just suppress them and like put them deep inside. So for my actual therapy, I would have to get another professional and then looking at my schedule, I would have like, I don't know, three hours of free time and I would have to choose between eating and, you know, having a therapy session, which is like ridiculous. But at the same time, that's just truth. And uh, sometimes I would just like neglect actually scheduling therapy sessions because I would think that, yeah, they're helpful. Yeah, I need them. I don't feel like I'm in the best mental state, but at the same time, I really want to get a nap between, you know, some of the things that make me really tired. And that's just the sad reality of it. Yeah, I 100% understand. And I relate to that kind of struggle of, sometimes what you need most is to see a therapist. Sometimes what you need most is to, to have that time, you know, to speak to someone, to interact with somebody that can support you. But sometimes you just don't have the time to, and sometimes 
you know, life gets in the way, whether it's you meet with a therapist regularly on, you know, let's say Wednesday, well, you have in a way meet or in a way match, you, now you have to kind of reschedule and maybe you can't meet this week and all of that. It's, it's a struggle. And I think yeah, that and it's I, also, I'm sorry. And it's also like the therapist also has a schedule. And especially if it's like a sports therapist, there are like, you know, at least like four or five other teams that this person is working with. And like, of course, that person won't be able to accommodate each of you at the same time. Something that I always say is I'm like, personally, I think everybody needs to see a therapist. Like everybody has something going on in their life. Everybody is struggling with something. And there's unfortunately just not enough therapists in that field, especially sports psychology is an even smaller field than, you know, general psychologists. And so it's, it's difficult to find both people who want to do it and then people who are qualified to do it. And you can, you know, have your teammates as a support system, your roommate, your coaches as much as you want, but it's just kind of a different perspective having that outsider. And I think just kind of building off of that, then, you know, the mental challenges of being an athlete, the mental challenges of your schedule and everything that you go through. I know you had mentioned that you were kind of dealing with, you know, the performance yips over the last couple of years where your mental health, some of the, you know, there's, there's these mental blocks in athletics where sometimes if physically, you know, that you can do something, but mentally you just aren't able to kind of play at the top of your game. And I don't know if you kind of wanted to dive more and talk about that and how that's affected you. When Yip started happening to me, I had no idea what it was. And every single person didn't know either. So for all of my coaches, my parents and everyone else, I don't know why they thought that way, but they all thought that it was some type of a technique issue that I just have to fix and again, push through and get through and it'll be fine. But instead, the more hours I would be just like standing on court and trying to do it, telling everyone that I just can't and I don't control it. And with them screaming back at me that how can you not control it? Is your it's your own arm and nobody really understanding what's going on. It would just become worse at a times. And so. This has definitely been traumatizing for me. That's probably, again, one of the most traumatizing experiences in my life. Because even coming here, talking to the sports psychologist that we have, uh, he said that yips are one of those things in sports that are probably researched the least. And even when people try to research them, it's kind of not the same for everybody and uh, there is no actual solution for them and so yips are something that just happens to you like this and then for the longest time maybe for your whole athletic career you won't be able to get rid of it and this is really sad just like knowing that you had this cool shot that you could use you know all the time And then all of a sudden you just don't have it. So the thing is that I would start slicing and I would use uh, this shot instead of the main shot as it's called by many people or even the normal shot as they always call it. But my coaches, my athletic trainers, none of those people would be 
satisfied with that. They would be like, oh yeah, of course you can use it, but I would still want you to work on their so-called normal shot. And like, we're proud of you for being able to find different ways uh, to do that, but still, why don't you try and get your normal shot back? Which is at this point, I'm not even sure if that's possible at all. And I have read like a lot of literature about other athletes affected by yips and it does get better. It is certainly better for me now than when it just started. But at the same time, you may never get your shot back at the same level that it was at some point of your career. So for me, it was just like a matter of always having to prove people that they have to accept the way that I play and I have I don't even know how to say that but when it comes to professional sports I feel like we don't really accept diversity when it comes to like technique and the way that people you know the rules are the same for everybody but if somebody does something not in a way that everybody is used to seeing that they suddenly just start judging those people and saying that they are almost cheating because like the amount of times that just like coaches of some random girls on tournaments have been saying that oh she only wins because nobody else plays that way and nobody is used to that I'm like yeah that's the whole point if I could have played the way that everyone else played I would have you know developed some other strategies but that's the only way I can do it so like what's your problem (laughs) pretty much and Yeah, this has been a lot. And even coming to college, like half of my video was with the normal shot, half of it was with my slice. And it was, you know, the video was something that coaches had to decide whether or not they accept me on the team. They knew all of my results and they knew that I was like good uh, result wise, but they didn't know how much do they like my game. And when I came here, I decided that I have to have this big talk with them about what's going on. Especially like in individualized sports, you know, like tennis or golf or swimming, stuff like that, where if, you know, if you, if you're struggling to hit a shot, if you're struggling with a certain technique, it it really puts that kind of pressure on you. And, you know, it goes from a small struggle to, it just kind of keeps building on it. And I've definitely experienced that in soccer, you know, as a goalkeeper, especially this happened to me last spring where I just couldn't get my footwork right. And, you know, I was, I was still able to make saves, but there's times where balls would come in and like, I would know where I needed to be. I would know what like position I needed to take to make the save. And I just, I just couldn't get my footwork right. And, you know, we had a goalkeeper coach who would work with us and, you know, I would watch soccer games and I would watch footwork and stuff like that. But I just, I just was struggling so hard to, to get, you know, in that right position. And I knew physically it was something that I could do, but mentally I just felt like there was kind of something holding me back. And honestly, I feel like those are, can sometimes be harder than physical things because if you sprain your ankle, you know, you know, it's going to take X amount of time to heal. You're going to do your rehab recovery. You're going to be fine in four to six weeks, a hundred percent back to usual but if you're struggling with you know your forehand or your backhand and and it's a mental thing there's no time frame for when you're going to be able to fix it and like you said sometimes you might not be able to fix it at all it might be something that sticks with you through the end of your career and 
I feel like, you know, kind of the performance yips, some, you know, stuff along those lines, you know, psychological things that cause that it's not really talked about a bunch in athletics, which I think is interesting because you see it happening so often and it's, it's just so frustrating to kind of, especially I'm sure you've had coaches that have said like, Oh, just, just, just figure it out. You know, coaches that are like, yeah, you just, just don't worry about it. You know, just, just go up and hit the ball. Like, you know how to, but sometimes you don't know how to, and it's just, it's super frustrating. Yeah. I believe that a thousand times. And another thing is that I feel like the more we talk about it, the more people are going to know what the deal is and uh, maybe it'll help, you know, some young athletes that it affects maybe if they know what exactly is going on to them and not like in my case they would just like be struggling with I have no idea what that would just take away their part of blaming themselves for not being able to you know put their ball in or like make the right movement with their like arms or legs or anything like that and they would just know that that's something that should be worked on mentally and not necessarily physically and yeah that's that's just my way of thinking of that matter no absolutely i 100 percent agree so i think that's a great segue into kind of the just the closing here the outro as we kind of wind things down you know you already kind of have talked about a few pieces of advice a few things that you think are you know important to be talked about important for people to understand any, you know, kind of closing thoughts, general advice, you know, if, if somebody that you knew was struggling with dealing with some sort of, you know, mental block in athletics or some sort of obstacle in their game, you know, what kind of advice you would give to them? Yeah. So a couple of advices first is if you do therapy, if you decide to do it and if you find a good therapist be sure you're actually talking about the things that are bothering you and you're not trying to avoid the uncomfortable situations that you think are just way too dumb for therapists to listen to or are not going to be deep enough or whatever because the main focus in therapy is you and it may be the smallest thing it may be something that's none of a deal at all for other people but for you it would be something that's just driving you crazy you need to talk about it it's something that would help you a lot when you just open up about the matters that are the most important to you you start feeling like oh, there are other people who can relate to that. Oh, there are actual strategies for you to get through that. And that's just something that's helped me a lot. The other thing would just be, again, something that helped me a lot is really sticking to friends and friend groups that make you feel validated and make you feel like, whatever you're doing is going to be supported even if it's something that they don't 100% agree with or even if it's like something that they can't really relate to they would still find a way to you know talk to you about that and show you their perspective give it time let's say the the hardest thing can can be to kind of ease up on that negative talk about yourself and that kind of energy but once, you know, once you get to that point, it can definitely make things a lot better. So I just want to say a big thank you 
for joining us today. It's been a really good conversation, a really good talk. And don't forget, everyone, it's a good day to have a great day. So take care. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.